Lizzie, no, y'all. Here's his, uh, oh my lord, I love this album. Uh, this is uh, our little sweethearts and badasses of Americana and Beyond interview series. And that was the song Havesies, the title track off of her brand new CD just released January 19th. Before Havesies, you heard Narc- Narcissus and uh, Narcissus. Narcissus. I'm so used to saying narcissistic. <laughs> Uh, Narcissus and Narcissus and then uh, that's off of Vanity from 2019 and we started off the program with the Heartbreak Store um, from Havesies and I think we have Miss Lizzie on the line do we not? Hello Yay! How's it going? Oh great I'm so happy to have you how are you doing? I'm doing so well I'm driving through Idaho and I'm so glad to hear your voice it's been forever It has been like I think it was like a year ago something like that last spring um, well, I thanks for having me back on the show. Certainly. Uh, for those who don't recall, um, Cindy Howes and uh, Lizzie No do a fabulous podcast called Basic Folk. And uh, I interviewed the interviewers, and that was a lot of fun. And I've been you looking forward to this on. album release for quite some time. Uh, and we're just really grateful. I know you uh, have a little time off on a kind of rare day off, and uh, so you're running through Idaho on your way to California? Yes, the plan is this. We're going to watch the Super Bowl in Reno. That's as close as in the van Vegas. With the whole band. I'm sorry, what? I'm in the van with the whole band. We're ready to have a super fun day off watching the Super Bowl. Nice, nice. And you're probably as close as you want to be to Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we don't well, exactly have Vegas gambling money yet. Yes, that might be coming, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm really, really grateful that you're able to call and, and uh, connect with us and really appreciate your time here. Um, and we will dive into uh, Havsies, but the more I read about you, I thought, you know what? It's, it, it felt to me like, it feels to me like your influences and the foundations of your of this work come from you know, previous experiences. And I would like, if you'd like to speak to some of that, um, specifically digging up uh, the quote from uh, Tony the Cade Bambara, the yeah. role of the artist, make revolution irresistible. And Absolutely. Your, and your time at uh, Stanford with the uh, IDA. Yes. Um, so I was lucky enough when I was at Stanford to get a little bit of training and background in like not just art and history but a little bit of community organizing and what it looks like to put your politics and your values into your art and I'm trying to hone in way more on that um, on this album than I ever have before because it's the album is a concept album all about getting free and to start getting free you have to like look at yourself a little bit you have to look at what's holding you back within and then you got to look around you and and say, like, what's keeping my community back? What what are we dealing with um, that I might not have thought of before? So that's kind of the concept of the album from beginning to end. Like, get yourself free and then free somebody else. Um, and the amazing songwriter Casey Anderson wrote my bio for this album. And he just opened up some shows for us. People should check out his music. Um, he was so thoughtful to include that quote from Tony K. Bambara on my bio the role of the artist is to make revolution irresistible. Yeah. I take that very seriously, Twyla. I think, well, I, you, you, I, from what I've listened, and I've listened to this a lot, 
you've really nailed it. Um, I really want to acknowledge and, and lift up your, that well, kind of brutal honesty with yourself. And if you're, you know, freeing yourself so we can help free our community. Um, some of the lyrics are just, are just having massive integrity and obviously a passion to follow that credo. Oh my God. Thank you for saying that. You can hear it. it. You know, it was not an easy album to write and it's not always an easy album to perform. Um, and the songs that are tricky for me, like change night by night on the road. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, well, let's just, let's just jump into Hassie's end because we're kind of ready to do that. I, I think, um, the, Oh, wait, this is another thing from your website I wanted to quote. Situated among, you are situated among their peers while still searching for freedom. Like you said, Mm -hmm. freedom from the constraints of categorization, sure, but more importantly, freedom the depths of their own personal despair and from increasingly violent and nightmarish American cultural and political landscapes. And these these lyrics uh, specifically, I see that... um, Oh, just just brutal honesty, uh, you know the. I'm, I'm looking at some of the quotes. We'll get into that. So specifically, this the album. Um, tell us about the musicians and the collaborations you have on that. Oh my goodness, I got a real murderer's row of artists that played on this. I mean, the whole the whole band that played on it was so talented, and I was lucky to have some featured vocals from Allison Russell and Sadie Dupuis of. Katie Ortiz and Brian Dunn, um, who just put out an amazing um, solo album on Kill Rock Stars. Um, and I was super stoked to have string players from the Attica Quartet um, play on some of these tunes. I think we just heard it on the title track, Habsies. Um, plus members of my own band, Barry Stevenson, did some great upright bass playing on this record. Um, I could truly go on all day about the people that played on it and collaborated on it because Sometimes you have a little idea and a dream in your mind, but it can't come true until you find the right allies and collaborators. Right. So is, so that process, I know it can happen organically and probably different maybe with each track. Do you generally reach out to them and say, hey, I got this idea? Or do you have kind of a way that you go about that? Yeah. You know, it, it's kind of like a patchwork of like, who do we know? And who are some dream people that we'd love to to work with? Mm-hmm. Um, I worked with two awesome producers on this album, Graham Richmond and Pat Dillette. And between the three of us, we had so many folks that we wanted to bring in. Um, the first person I knew that I had to hire was Fred Eltringham. I knew of his work from Cheryl Crow's band. And he played on Carly Pierce records that I loved and was Longley records. And so I just cold emailed him before we even had any studio recordings done. We had these demos and I and I sent him an email and I was like, hey Fred, you don't know me, but I love your drumming. Can I fly to Nashville and record you for this album? And he was just so kind and right away was like, hell yeah, let's do it. Um, and so he definitely laid the foundation for um, a lot of these cool arrangements that you hear on the final mixes. Very nice. And so people just, uh, well, I think that's, that's the beauty of that serendipitous partnerships when um, the right people come together. You just, you know, blind email and they respond positively and there they are and they end up being really uh, central to... Isn't that how life just is, though? Like, you just... Sometimes you got to put yourself out there a little bit and sometimes it doesn't work, but sometimes it does. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. It just <laughs> stuff starts falling together. 
and like you almost get guided you're not really leading anymore exactly i kind of have you ever seen the princess bride you know when inigo montoya is looking for that knot on the tree that's going to lead him to the secret passageway to go avenge his dad and he's about to give up then he leaves his sword onto the tree and he finds exactly what he's looking for that's kind of how you make an album yeah I love that you reference Princess Brad. Best movie ever. It's the best. <laughs> but yeah, that, that is it. It has everything. <laughs> it has everything. It really does. That's actually been a, kind of a litmus test with either friends or partners. Like we got to watch uh, The Princess Bride, and depending on how you respond, that, that's a big uh, telling teller for me. <laughs> oh, that is, that is such a good idea. I watched that movie for the first time at my 10th birthday party. My mom went out to the video store and picked out a DVD for me. And all of my friends and I were like, what is this magical story? And it's stuck with me ever since. Yeah. I just, I hope someday I can create a story as compelling as The Princess Bride. Saying it here on air, that's my goal. Okay. We'll be looking for that. Um, you know, you mentioned uh, Attica Quartet and On Havsies. Is that the piece? Because I wanted to ask specifically about um, that kind of uh it's like a, a blur of dissonance and you know yeah um was that the attica quartet in there it is yeah that, that was, was one of my favorite moments in the studio um because the, have these the title track was sort of meant to be a, a sonic keystone for the whole record um because it's a folk record and a country record and rock and singer songwriter a little bit and i there, there, I knew there needed to be one song that kind of had a little bit of everything mm-hmm. and all right next to each other. Like normally good taste dictates that when you go into a chorus or a, a big finale, like you'll crescendo up to the to the chaos. But right. I, I wanted it to just be zero to 100, go from super quiet, super chaotic, um, and then back down again. So um, the Attica Quartet is such a nimble, like uh, creative organism. They like really get everything from classical music to like the very avant-garde um and so they were gave to kind of create those haunting um spaces and then you know cacophonous moments as well yeah it felt like a it feels like a lot of uh angst you know kind of confusion whirling yeah Yeah, i wanted i wanted to like make a song that really felt like what it feels like to experience um like fractured traumatic memory which can be really really chaotic and scary and then um when you're able to return to that sort of still small place where you're able to like be present in the present moment and and kind to yourself and gentle to yourself and in conversation with your deepest self like the 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 contrast between the chaos of pain and then the quiet of solitude. I wanted to have all of that yeah. in one song. Kind of that piece that follows when it's all been expunged in a way. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just, uh, oh, and the, the leading stanza for Havsies. Um, and, I, you know, art, art is, you know, to be interpreted and, and everyone has a different interpretation, but the opportunity to speak with the artist who actually created the work mm-hmm. is, I um, uh, love to be able to like see if it matched up because um that stanza spaceman way from an asteroid paul simon way from queens i'm watching the headline scroll half full half empty now when i hear that it feels kind of like a, a 
a, a separation, like a disembodiment. You're kind of disconnected from yourself and you're like watching as a witness of what's going on. Charlie, you're right on the money. Okay. You cool. get me. Um, <laughs> that, you know, Have These is a song that took me many years to write and I wrote the verses in different times of my life where I had this feeling that I couldn't quite describe. And every time I had the feeling, I, I wrote it down. And then that kind of became the verses of this tune. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first, that first verse came last, actually. Um, I was sitting at a bar in Astoria watching Paul Simon do his, like, farewell concert on the news. Mm. Um, and I was only a few miles away. Like, I was in Queens, but I was still watching it on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't even know that it was happening until I was watching it on the news. And I was like, huh, if I'd been more aware of this, I maybe could have gone to this show. Um, and, of course, I had, like, half a beer in front of me, and I was just watching the headlines kind of, like, the headlines of the day go across the screen Okay. And I felt like a little bit left out and sad. And I was like, oh, no, it's Paul Simon's farewell concert. Too bad I like never managed to go see him live. Um, and, and it was like before I even got a chance to participate, it was already over, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where that laughing came from. Like, I keep mourning friends I never had. Yeah. I, I, I have that experience with grief where it feels like you didn't actually even get a chance to hold on to the thing before it's already being taken away. Yeah, that's that's equally if not more painful i think than when you have something tangible because it's so nebulous and you can't really nail it down to figure it out it's just this pre-floating mm-hmm. I think. totally and i mean i think that there's like there are notes of that in a lot of black literature and art this feeling of, of being homesick for a place that you can't even describe mm-hmm. but having this very uh strong internal compass telling you like I'm meant to be somewhere else or I'm I'm missing something or there's something that's like not quite all there there's a puzzle piece missing and trying to get to the bottom of it for me that's been the beginning of my political consciousness like looking for that missing piece finding it naming it that's that's cool I have another question about um you know there's Quite a bit of symbolism here and there that I, I'm curious about, and then one that popped in my head. Now, generally, you know, we talk about, I guess, you shed your skin, you know, new life. You saw the snake skin in the grass. Yeah. Um, and was that a specific reference or just a yes. kind of moving on? Yes, that literally happened. But I, I, as soon as I thought, I, you know, seeing an empty snake skin is so symbolic, like you can't help but write it down if yeah. you're a songwriter. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I performed at this wedding out in the country, and it was so beautiful, and I had such a great time, stayed at all night dancing, and then I left my, my, my comfy shoes in the taxi, and then the next morning, it sort of felt like the universe was apologizing to me because I'd lost my sandals, and I looked down, and there was this fully intact, beautiful snake skin, and I felt like the world was saying, like, well, here's something. You lost something that was important to you. Like, here's another skin. Uh-huh. Um so it was just a funny thing that happened to fit the mood I was in. Gotcha. So it literally happened. It wasn't necessarily written in. As yeah. A, cool. Um, I'm, I can be imaginative, but more often I'm, I just write down what I notice. And then it's kind of t- it sounds like tying it into what's mm-hmm. bigger picture stuff. That's um, what I always loved about the romantics. Like if you read like a, a Lord Byron poem, he's always like, look at that mountain or like look at that flower it's actually about something that's going on personally with me and like i love the ego that poets have to take 
truly a random occurrence in nature and make it about ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've made so much about ourselves in this album. Um, and we, you know, we opened with the Heartbreak Store, which is just a lovely little video. It's so Oh, cute. thank you. We had so much fun dancing in that video. Ah, oh, that was, and I love the, you know, that's a piece of healing too, right? When you can, um, well, you may not be able to, uh, how are the words, uh, but you can set it down. Fall, I can't fall out of love, but I can set it down. Twyla. Okay, so something that's happened between the last time we've spoken now is that I've gotten into line dancing. Um, nobody told me you can experience, like, a true sense of healing if you just move your body to country music. <laughs> um, I've been playing music for so long but I guess I just didn't realize that I needed to figure out how to dance to it and like be with other people who cared about that. Oh. Um, it feels so good. Even when you have a broken heart, yeah. it's just like do a little two step oh, and, and you can kind of accept that it, you're not going to get over it right away. Mm -hmm. But like, at least you have some friends around you and at least, at least you're still moving. Yes. Yeah. Getting there. And, and what I experience in line dancing is that community, you know, yes. because you love the music and I mean, I'm, I go to a lot of shows by myself and I'm just kind of, you know, moving around. That's and so Carrie Bradshaw of you and I love it. It's, it's a lot of fun. And I love that feeling of being surrounded, especially, you know, you're in a group. Sometimes you're in the middle of the, yes. you know, and this you're surrounded. It's just a wonderful sense of community. And um, yeah, so all of your, uh, oh, it's, it's 12th. Let me cut in and say, uh, you're listening to KZUM Lincoln, KZUM HD. This is Twyla Twang on The Women Show, and we're speaking with Lizzie No about her album, Havesies, and specifically the song Heartbreak Store, uh, which is, a, check out that video. I think Dev posted it um, on a women's show, yeah, the Facebook page, and uh, check it out. Uh, it, the other videos are, are excellent as well. It's just that line dancing, and, the, and even, you know, the little store where you uh, you bring in your you know, the key isn't going to fit on the ring anymore. There's <laughs> just no point in nope, this. Nope, you got to find some place to get rid of it. Yeah, where do you do with all <laughs> this, you know, emotional baggage and literal baggage? and <laughs> It's just, uh, so that, that kind of brings to the healing pieces. Um, oh, there had a question specifically about, it feels like there's a, uh, where'd that go? Um, nope, I'm not finding it. Glances through my well, notes. Let me let me cut in and just Please give a do. shout out to the Jalop, the Jalopy Theater in Brooklyn, where we filmed that video. Okay. Um, it actually is a music store and music venue, and they teach lessons. Um, and they've got this beautiful old timey theater space where a lot of the folk and, and bluegrass and old time music goes down in Brooklyn. So it was very cool to be able to like film this video and imagine this like thrift shop of the soul. Um, in such a special place. If people go visit Brooklyn, they should go see a show at the Jalopy Theater. Next time you're in Brooklyn, check it out. That that does have a really nice feel. It looks kind of classic oh, yeah, and um, old timey, but uh, homey in a way. Yes, and, exactly. Yeah. And it feels that way too. They're Very good cool. people. <laughs> um, What's well, about healing? And I want to. I do want to find it because to me, you've really. Um, yeah, there it is. Um, I need to believe that our love defines us as much as our work and our strength and flaws and everything we have survived. And this album, I know you've spoken it being from kind of a, a oppression to freedom um, and mm -hmm. deliverance. 
And from what I'm gathering, it's a very much a self-healing. Mm-hmm. And if these, since these songs are kind of are about struggles in the past and struggles, not just personally, but also communally and worldwide, perhaps uh, with these, yeah. do you feel like you're kind of able to move through that uh, beyond that? close that chapter kind of yeah I think that that was I the the quote that you grabbed is the way that I'm thinking about my music and my life now for sure um you know we're in black history month and people love to talk about um well a lot of people don't want to talk about black history month anymore in this country we're we're kind of moving into this right-wing nightmare in a lot of ways but it also exposes what's really special about um, black liberation movements, um, which have also laid the foundation for, you know, queer movements and other other movements for freedom. Um, it's not just about the fact that we're strong and that we continue to fight, even in spite of the sort of rise of fascist violence against us um, that we're seeing right now in America. It's about that we like to take care of each other and we still have joy and that yeah. we have connection in the midst of it all. Yeah. Um, it's so important not to let your community get flattened to the worst thing that ever happened to you. You know, like, oh, we survived this and that's what's great about us. Or we contributed this in history and that's what's great about us. Like those things are true, but what's most important is that we look out for one another. And like, I live in a black neighborhood and I say hello to my neighbors every morning. That's yeah. what, that's the good stuff. That's what we're actually really, really about. Yeah. Um, it's about keeping your sense of humanity um, and your creativity and your openness and your curiosity, um, even in the midst of really hard times. Yes. And and not just striving, but really thriving uh, with, yeah. the, with the joy. Like and insisting the on being alive. Like I, I insist on being fully human. Um, and it's not, always convenient and it's not always easy but that's what's really important to me right now yeah i did see that um kind of sad and funny uh i think it was a reel that you spoke to um really really you have to ask me why country music i I know i'm so tired of it oh my lord i I, and i was i was like shocked and sometimes i feel so naive that i i'm like surprised when i see these stupid ass questions I know. And I like you well, really you know get that. Lila, I try to be gracious about it and I usually don't even I usually don't even address it, but I've actually gotten the question now so much. Wow. That I thought, you know what, why don't I put out a little public service announcement <laughs> so I can just let people know the answer to why country music and so I can stop talking about it in interviews. Yeah. Um, even when, you know, it's coming from an innocent enough space, the most questions that, like, if, if, if someone's asking you a question, there's usually, like, a little bit of a truth behind it or an assumption behind it. Um, and the assumption is that I very consciously chose this genre of music um, and that it didn't just come naturally to me like it would for maybe somebody else. Yeah. Well, <laughs> um, I, I but, yeah, to... I'm a true blue country musician. That's, what, that's, all, that's all it is. Yeah. I, I have to acknowledge uh, my own ignorance, really, um, because it was uh, at the, what year was that, 21? Uh, Americana Fest, the Black Opry panel. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, we, we, I somewhat steeped in folk Americana music um, and was aware of some artists, specifically black artists in country, but not to the extent that this, that 
opened my eyes so wide. I, I, then I was like, oh, everybody needs to know about this because it's, yeah, it it was, uh, huge, huge for me, um, to recognize, well, yeah, of course it makes sense. And then to hear the stories, uh, specifically, um, oh, uh, the, I'm not your, uh, on your Facebook wall, I'm blanking on his name. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know. Oh, Jet. I can. Yeah. Oh, Jet Holden. Yeah, Jet Holden. There we go. Shout out to Jet. Yeah. And, and the, the stories of the rejection and kind of those kind of, um, horrible assumptions that folks make, or you don't fit the images. And, and I think it's important to have any, if we have any platform specifically, maybe those who were listening today, um, like didn't know, um, right. and if you, if you, you know, it's, it's, it's honest ignorance, it's not belligerent and, you know, right. it's like, Oh, now that I know I'll do better. <laughs> No, I know, know better, no I'll better, do better. Do better. Each one, teach one. Yeah, you exactly. Know, the, the interesting thing is that that ignorance is very much by design. Like, um, you know, black and Latino and indigenous and other writers of color are so, we're so essential to the history of country music, but we were deliberately excluded and the, and the industry remains segregated. Mm. Um, I know that we've seen um, a few black country artists make it big time recently um but the structural barriers are still very much there um when it comes to who's able to get a look from record labels and and um you know good billing on festivals and all you know all of those things that you can think of that that come with like musical opportunities they are still pretty much one in a million for um artists of color in country music and there are a lot of people in power who want to keep it that way so it's important that we keep our eye on that inequality while not erasing the reality that there are still so many artists of color working in this genre um contributing defining what it what it sounds like you know like we are at the center of it artistically but we are often pushed to the fringes when it comes to opportunity yeah do you do you feel any shifts even if they're baby steps um, I feel shifts in the way that a lot of us are thinking about it. Um, I don't really um, ask for permission or invitations anymore. I just like I, I just continued making the music that I make, and the audience is finding it, which is the great like blessing and miracle. And that's the great thing about about music. Like listeners just want to hear good songs. Yeah. Um, there are there are folks in power, gatekeepers that really care about well, what genre is this? And do you fit the mold? And can we market you? Um, but the, the, the people that I work with, my label 30 Tigers and the, the friends of mine that are, that are making this music don't really care about that stuff. We just care about putting out good work. And it seems like that's what audiences want as well. So if we can just keep pushing um, and keep redefining what country music can be, I think we're in good shape. Yeah, that's, and that's really all you can do. Yeah. <laughs> those to the grindstone, do your work, and um, and 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 those who are allies, are not a musician, but um, hear it and love it and want to get the word out, and uh, that's a big piece of of what you know. I if we, hey, I think we have a little time. I, w- I want to kind of ask about a little bit about the podcast. Um, oh, great! I'd love to talk to the cool anytime. Um, and, and not that I want to you know go away from Havsies because we'll circle back for th- and close with Babylon, but. Um, 
so we have more opportunity there. But you know, I know you've um, interviewing you've interviewed some pretty significant artists, and um, you know, everyone from Ben Harbor, Valerie June, Adia Victoria. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there any specific quote or story? And this is kind of maybe putting you on the spot a little bit, but I think something will pop up and bubble up in sure. you. Sure. Uh, that really sticks to you that, like, you just can't, no matter what you think back, it just pops in your head? Okay. There are a few super memorable moments. Um, one of my earliest interviews with Basic Folk was with Dar Williams. And I am such a Dar Williams fan. And I. That, that was like a bucket list moment for me. Like, not only talking to her about the OG Willis affair, but talking about like what would need to happen within like the music industry and like the feminist artist community to like create another Lilith Fair in day and age. That was uh-huh. dope. Uh-huh. And then also, she just surprised me by whipping out her guitar and, and doing like an unprompted acoustic performance <laughs> just for me, like on the podcast. I was holding back tears the entire time. It was so beautiful. Wow. Um, and then I had a great, you know, Cindy and I had a really great conversation with Sarah Jarosz recently. Um, uh, excuse me, say the name if again. If you haven't listened to Polaroid Lovers yet, it's Sarah Jarosz's new album. Oh, yes. She's such an icon. And yes. she's like, she's also a great example of a woman artist who's been really successful for a really long time um, and can kind of speak to what it's like to get opportunities and mentorship and to take her own work seriously um, and to kind of have things go right and to be at a point in her career where she's pushing herself creatively um, and she's able to kind of give advice to other artists, especially young women artists about like how to stay focused. Mm -hmm. Um, And she said like, if you can just keep the focus on your work and not let any of the sexism or the bullshit distract you, like that's what success is. Um, It's to not spend your time fighting that stuff, but to spend your time doing your work. Like that's what I want for myself. And that's what I want for every woman artist. Just like, have the time and the freedom to do your work. Yes, yes. And that, that you just keep that your focus and things will fall into place. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, very cool. Um, well, I want to talk a little bit about your tour um, and specifically, you know, being, uh, the album was just released January 19th. Um, really fun to see these fabulous, where are those uh, quotes, uh, folks saying, um, wide open country called a new artist to watch Bandcamp best country music um, last I saw you were number 13 and rising on the Americana album charts let's go Twyla uh, can you believe it I like what go like go go birthday. keep on it's so great <laughs> that's cool <laughs> I think you're like I saw it was this morning I looked to see if it's gone any higher because every couple of days it just goes up a couple notches and you're like I think Allison Russell's number 12 and you're number 13 yeah Pinch me. <laughs> I'm very, very grateful for all of this. It's a really, it's an exciting moment, especially hearing people say like, "Oh, I heard your song on the radio." That's that's the that's the dream. Yeah. How was the uh, reception like when you um, touring touring behind that album more or less, right? And um, it's going so well. People receiving like are. One thing I'm curious about is like in different regions or towns, markets, whatever you want to call it, um, do different people respond and resonate with different songs or is it kind of universal? Um, No, it does seem like different crowds and even like down to like I I haven't really gotten 
um, a consensus on people's favorite song from the album, which is great. Everyone that I know that's bought the record kind of reports back with a different one that's their favorite. It was really fun to see, actually. Um, I went to Sweden a couple of weeks ago, and people were really, really vibing with the more country tunes. Um, the Heartbreak Store was a big favorite, and people were dancing and clapping their hands, and it was just so cool to go overseas to a place I'd never performed my music and to just feel people really, really get it in that way. Uh-huh. Um, and we were in Baker City, Oregon last night, and people were dancing, um, especially to the more country-leaning tunes. So, like, that stuff is really that stuff is really satisfying. And, and it's cool. Like, I, I'll get, I, I get DMs from teenagers. Um, and when you get the youth vote, that's when, you know, <laughs> you're really trying to connect with people. Yeah. Um, Gen Z loves to listen to lyrics, and I love that for them, and I love that for me. <laughs> yes, yes. That's exciting. Uh, you mentioned Sweden. I also know, I believe you were at um, Americana UK. Oh, we had a blast. Yes, my guitar player, Will Green, and I went over to London, and we just got to hear some really cool music and also, like, you know, tool around London and, and pretend to be the Beatles. <laughs> well, it's just, as, as, as for me, it's like going to New York City and I've been to London once. I just feel like I'm just, I'm just hip just because I'm in this town. I know. I've had to buy a lot of new vintage clothes on this tour <laughs> with the image of myself that I am projecting. Yeah, when I'm it's in London. Expen- it's an expensive job to have. <laughs> I'm in London now. I got to wear, yeah, don this and not that. And I wouldn't want to ever wear that in Jersey, but. <laughs> no, but I do need this new leather jacket. I need it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not a want. It's a need. I know. <laughs> um, well, great. This is, I, I, I want to make sure folks know we're speaking with Lizzie No. A new album, Havsies, just came out January 19th. And uh, before we get to the closer, I want to also lift you up and acknowledge your great work. Uh, as the new president of the board of directors for abortion care tennessee oh my gosh thank you twyla that is a huge passion of mine and if anyone's listening and wondering how they can get involved and support the work that we do um just search abortion care tennessee you can make a donation to make sure that somebody in tennessee who needs abortion care can travel out of state to get it um because there's now no uh guaranteed abortion access in tennessee and it's really important that people get the health care they need. So we make sure that clinic costs are covered um, when folks have to travel out of state for, for that care. That's awesome. Uh, you want to do a little residency in Nebraska? <laughs> I would love to. I would love to. We need I'm some on my that. way. <laughs> Abortion on demand. Let's go. Yes, let's go. We have a very, very strong community um, for uh, pro-choice here. And um, we would... That... that lack of access and I, you know i think there's there are similarities i speak i speak to people about you know uh lincoln uh you know austin nashville lincoln mm-hmm. you know the little blueberry and the tomato soup absolutely um, and those of us who live in those blueberries have a responsibility yes um to help to help get health care and and ensure the freedom of our neighbors yes very much so and that's that's kudos to you for uh so is is that I can't imagine that is there a time demand? Um, that's a lot of yeah, extra wear I mean, in there. It's, it's 
it is just, it's a labor of love is what it is. Uh-huh. And I work with a really, really incredible staff and board of people that are just passionate about the ways in which abortion can bring freedom into people's lives and access to reproductive health um, can be like the foundation of a lot of freedom in our lives. Um, because the ability to make a choice about what you're going to do with your body and if and when you're going to become a parent yeah. is foundational to all other types of freedom, economic freedom, political freedom, all of that. So we're really fired up about it. Um, and people have been very generous in making sure that abortion is still available to Tennesseans. We receive donations from folks, and it, it always means a lot. Oh, that's that's awesome to hear. Congratulations on that work. Um, my goodness. Okay, so we're just watching the clock a little bit. Um, I want to oh, make yeah. sure that we uh, get... Uh, one, before we close out, folks know how to what your socials are, what's the best way to follow you. Yes, please follow me on Instagram. It's lizzie.no, that's L-I-Z-Z-I-E dot N-O. And on TikTok, I am Ask Me About Imagine Dragons. Imagine, okay. <laughs> um, so we're going to... <laughs> that's where to, I do my goofs. Okay. <laughs> I've, I've not stepped into the little waters of TikTok. I, I've got plenty here, but... It looks really fun. Um, so we're going to close with uh, Babylon, and, you know, which is such such clear imagery. Uh, you know, the babies singing new songs at the end. No shame for pain from Babylon. If you could speak to that uh, freedom and deliverance that's in Babylon. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm really glad that you asked about abortion care Tennessee leading up to this because, you know, reproductive justice is what that, song is all about it's about the it's about looking around and realizing that you and your family are not free in the way that you deserve um and linking arms with other people who also want to be free and working together and you know i for me the the verse about um sheltering in a stranger's cave is really important um because on our journeys to freedom we have to keep an eye out for others who might need our help even if we don't know them and we don't relate to where they're coming from um we need to welcome others who are trying to get free as well um so yeah this song means a lot to me and it's always really fun to play on the road and um i hope it's an invitation for people to take that next step into you know self-actualization and freedom in the context of community yes so uh, please do listen closely uh these beautiful lyrics Specifically now, then we're tying it in to the access to abortion. Um, there were thieves and killers marching through the middle of town. We knelt and prayed where the unmarked grave were, where, they, where better men lay down. I uh, just very, very powerful lyrics. Wow. Beautiful job. Thanks. Yeah. Um, so while about we play that, anything else you'd like to mention? Um, no, this has been such a great conversation, Twyla. I, just, I hope people will check out the album, have these, and come see me on tour. Um, I have a kick-ass band, and we're we're going to be playing all over the country. Um, so come come say hi to us when we when okay. we come through your area. And you come say hi to us because uh, as, as of yet we haven't seen any uh, Midwest close enough to Lincoln. So make, make see if you can make that happen. Okay, maybe. we're going to get there. Okay, we're going to try to get there. And we would love to have you. Maybe a little guest in the studio. Whatever, whatever we can work out time wise. We'd, uh, I'm we'll, there. We'll connect. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> thank you, Miss Lizzie. Okay. No. Have a great Sunday. Thank you. And y'all, this, you too. And thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. There Let's is. Have a good uh, one.
Yeah, here's Babylon by Lizzie No.